Hello, happy Thursday. Welcome back to another episode of this podcast. For today, we're going to talk about the Jack Adams Award finalists and why it was kind of a joke that Mike Sullivan was not one of those finalists and you know just why I don't really like the award that much. We're going to get into the penalty kill today, review that from this season, what I would like to see more of for next year and you know just talk about what went wrong in the playoffs. And you know, we're also going to debunk some weird Chris Tang rumors that I saw on social media today. And if I have time, uh, we'll get into why uh, Ricard Raquel, um, you know, if, if it comes down to between him and Brian Russ, why it's the easy call, I think, to bring him back, especially with the numbers that he put up for this team. So that's all coming up right after this drop. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You're going to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore penguins and of course thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day um you know just watch the second period of that panthers uh bolt series and whew, uh compared to the battle of alberta this is probably like a 1.2 there's just like no intensity in it i thought this was going to be a pretty spirited series but you know the both these teams don't really look like they're it looks like they're, they're not even rivals uh to say the least but panthers were able to tie it late in the second period as of this recording i'm sure by the time everyone listens to this uh the winner of the game uh, will be decided. So to kick things off, let's get into the Jack Adams Award finalist. So today it was announced, you know, Mike Sullivan was not one of the finalists. Uh, Gerard Gallant was on there. And, you know, I, I, the, the biggest thing of this award for me um, is, you know, it, it's this. Well, and, and, well, I'll say the finalist. Andrew Bennett, that makes sense. I think he did a great job. Daryl Sutter, I think that's mainly fine too. But you know, I will say this about the Jack Adams Award. Show me a good goaltender, and I'll show you a good coach. Gerard Gallant has no business being on that ballot. I think most people thought the Rangers were going to, you know, contend for a playoff spot this year, if not get into the playoffs, just because of the talent that they already had. I mean, everyone knows how good Adam Fox was. Everyone knows how good Artemi Panarin is, Mika Zibanejad. Chris Kreider's had a career year. I mean, sure, no one expected him to be that good. But, you know, there, there's still plenty of talent. I mean, Shesterkin was already pretty good in his tenure going into this year. But, you know, Gallant literally rode his coattails. He was 940 for the entire year. System-wise, you know, the Rangers really didn't do anything that blew the doors off teams. I mean, you know, sure what they're doing has worked for them. You know, their power play is one of the best in the league. Shesterkin's one of the best goaltenders in the league. I know they stink at 5v5. But, <clears throat> you know, I don't think just because you have a rock solid power play and you have a goaltender that wants to play God, you should be at the as a Jack Adams finalist. You know, I'll give two coaches. You know, I'll give a coach outside of Mike Sullivan who I think should have been a finalist, and that's Todd McClellan with the Los Angeles Kings. I mean, this team. You know, some people were high on them, some weren't, but they not they made the playoffs with you know I shouldn't say relative ease, but a little more e- easy. Than I thought some people than some people thought they were going to, and they pushed the Oilers to the brink. I mean, especially without Victor Arvidsson, Andrew Dowdy for that entire series, the Kings took a lot of strides this year, and that's a team that's going to be set up for I think a lot of future success. Um, you know, the Kings, you know, they don't really have a lot of 
you know, even on their team right now, they don't have a lot of star talent. I mean, they have good players, but there's no bona fide elite player on that team. And McLellan was still able to guide them to the playoffs and come within one game of winning a series against a team that, you know, they, they looked down and out in the Edmonton Oilers. So, um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, that award, I think someone like that should have been nominated. Jay Woodcroft of the Edmonton Oilers. He took over for um, Dave Tippett, who was the head coach halfway through the year. The Oilers were not even a playoff spot. And yes, you should be expected to make the playoffs with the Oilers because you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But, you know, the team was not playing well outside of those two players when Dave Tippett was coaching them. And, you know, he was, you know, and Woodcroft was able to come in and, you know, change things up systematically and get some of the players like, you know, Zach Hyman and Paul Yarvey and Nugent Hopkins and some of the other defensemen to really start playing better hockey. And the Oilers not only made the playoffs, you know, they made they made it with relative ease down the stretch. And now they're in the second round. They're down one nothing to the Calgary Flames. But, you know, for a while, they, they did not look like they were going to get in just because they were out. They were outside the playoff picture, but they were able to, you know, rile off a lot of big wins down the stretch. And, you know, I, I think Woodcroft did a great job. So and I'm sure he's probably going to get the full-time gig going into next year. And then, you know, Mike Sullivan. Obviously, this is a Penguins-centric podcast. I, I thought he did a terrific job this year. You know, Evan Rodriguez and Jeff Carter were their top two centers for a good chunk of the first half of the season. If Kenny Malkin had to miss the first half of the year. Sidney Crosby has never had to miss a bit of time with a wrist injury. Also had to miss some time with COVID. Um, you know, Sid was not really playing at all for that first month of the season. And, you know, he was Mike Sullivan was able to keep the team afloat and in contention, even though if they were getting some loser points, they were still getting points and staying in the playoff race. And then when they started to get some guys back from COVID, then they were able to run rampant throughout the league. So, um, you know, I, I like coaching jobs like that over someone who literally just, you know, rode the coattails of one of the best goaltending seasons of all time and a power play that, you know, that's just really freaking good. Um, I, I don't really understand why Galan is on there. I mean, I think it's the Broadcasting Association that votes on that award. I thought it was the PHWA at first. Um, believe I was wrong. Um, I think it's the National Broadcasting Association that does it. Again, you know, just a really odd choice. Daryl Sutter, I, I'm, I'm more fine with that just because the Flames, you know, they were fine last year, but you know, they, they needed to show something this year. And he was able to coach them to one of the best records in the Western Conference, really turn them around. I mean, Johnny Goudreau had his best season of his career under Sutter. Um, Christiana continued to play well. Jacob Markstrom had a great year. Um, you know, Sutter has always been a great coach. So I get that one. Andrew Bennett, I understand. But also at the same time, this Panthers roster is absolutely loaded. Joel Quenville was, you know, before um, he had to step down as the Panthers head coach, and rightfully so. Um, I'm glad he did uh, with the whole Kyle Beach situation. Um, the Panthers were already gunning for that top spot in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, I think in a perfect world, you replace him too with someone like McClellan, Jay Woodcroft, Mike Sullivan, maybe someone else out there who, um, you know, potentially did a better job. You know, maybe even, you know, bonus from Dallas. You know, the, the Stars were not really a sexy pick to make the playoffs this year. And um, they, they gave the Flames one heck of a fight. Uh, in the first round, Jake Ottinger was just absolutely uh, ridiculous, to say the least. So you know, I, I I don't I don't tend to get too amped about the NHL wars just because I know they're for the regular season. But you know, sooner rather than later, I would love for Mike Sullivan to actually get nominated for this award because he is a top three coach in hockey. 
again, I understand. Show me a good goaltender and I'll show you a head coach. That usually happens with every head coach that wins that award. But I just wish that, you know, more of the people that vote on this war, especially you know, the broadcasters, they can, you know, look at the body of work that, you know, coaches have had to face, like, you know, COVID outbreaks and injuries and, you know, a, a, an, an aging roster coming into this year, a roster that, you know, people didn't really expect to make the playoffs and they ended up making it, you know, just you know, stuff like that over, oh, hey, this guy had a really good goaltender or, hey, this guy took over a team that was already going to make the playoffs or, you know, at least those are the two that I'm not really, you know, thrilled with. There's a fly on my screen. Um, again, Daryl Sutter, totally fine with. But, um, you know, I think at this point, in order for Mike Sullivan to, like, win the award, be nominated for the award, like, both Latang and Malkin have to literally, like, be gone. And then they make the playoffs with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel and no one else. And then the, uh, the broadcasting association's like, oh, yeah, we'll nominate Mike Sullivan now. It's like, now, why don't you do that the last couple of years where he literally has guided the team to a top three finish in the Metro? Uh, well, at least a top three finish in the Metro this year. Last year, they freaking won, <clears throat> excuse me, the Easter, the East division when they had the most man games lost due to injury. It, it didn't matter. Mike Sullivan knows what he is doing, and it's it's still a farce that he has not been nominated for this award um, in the seven seasons that he has been with the Penguins. I, I, I will never understand that. So that wraps up this first segment of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. Wanted to get into that. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to get into um, some of the penalty kill talk, what I want to see next year, potentially deployment-wise. And we'll also get to that weird Crystal Tang rumor that I saw on 93.7 The Fan, and I'm going to debunk that a little quick. Um, but before we get to that, I love brownies. But you know what I love more? Brownie batter. Sometimes I eat half the batter just while I'm making the brownies. Imagine if you could lick that brownie spatula clean and get some protein in. You are in luck because Built has a new creation, and this one is better than ever. The Bounty Batter Puff. You heard me right. This puff takes protein bars to a whole new level, and they're available right now at Built.com. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? I'm not sure what you're waiting for if you have it. Puffs are a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. That is right. Deliciously flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. With 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar, Brownie Batter Puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. Um, all built puffs are covered with 100% real chocolate. That means with built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy eating it. They'll have you completely forgetting that you are eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself. This is real life. You can go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Hello, Ernest Penguins. So let's get to that weird Chris Letang rumor that um, I saw today. This came courtesy of um, 93.7. The fan. If I can find this tweet here real quick on my timeline. So Chris Mueller put this out. Beautiful ratio, by the way. 17 quote tweets, only 10 likes. And he had Gord Stellick on his show, former um, Leafs general manager, New York assistant, uh, general, new, uh, former New York assistant general manager as well. Um, I think he comes from Sportsnet. He, and the tweet says, he suggests that term, not salary, might be the biggest issue. He says Latang could be looking for a seven-year deal. And then Chris says, would you want the Penguins to give Chris Latang a seven-year contract? Where are these rumors coming from? And I don't see what he says. This is straight-up propaganda. Chris Latang even said at his press conference, yeah, I'd like to play for four to five more years. Josh Joey, the athletic, he's been saying, yeah, it's probably going to be a four to five-year deal if he comes back. 
you know, Elliot Friedman said the Penguins offered him a four-year deal. Money was a little below the, the, his current AAV. He is not going to sign a seven-year contract to go into his age 42 and 43 year. That is absolutely ludicrous. The guy is not 30 or 31 years old here. He is 35 and he's going to be 36. Like, what planet are we on? Like, I, like, and I understand that Mueller is probably trying to rile up the masses a little bit just because, you know, he's on the, the afternoon drive or whatever that show is with him. And um, I think it's Pony, um, Andrew Filipponi for 93.7 The Fan. But, you know, <clears throat> I, all I can say is this. Get better guests. I mean, at the end of the day, that that's ridiculous. I mean, Chris Tang is not going to be signing a seven-year deal with any team in free agency if he, if he gets to that point. I mean, he probably will. But, I mean, that's just that, that's not happening. When he signs, it's going to be probably a four- to five-year term. Um, I, I had to spend at least a couple of minutes uh, talking about that for today's episode. Um, <clears throat> again, if the Penguins do bring him back, it's going to be for four to five years. It'll take him to his age 39 to 40 season. And then, you know, if he wants to, he can retire. But, you know, he was ratioed here, rightfully so. That's absolutely ridiculous that um, – who had a yawn come? Ooh, sorry about that. I, the first time I think I've yawned on this podcast in a long time. Um, there's just there's no chance that's going to happen. Anyways, moving on to the penalty kill again. Another key area where the Penguins just they got bullied in that series against the New York Rangers. And you know, I want to see a better deployment next year. I think at times this year the Penguins, you know, Mike Vellucci, who r- runs the penalty kill um, as as one of the assistant coaches. Speaking of him, I think he might be getting some head coaching. Um, interviews at some point. At least that's what um, Elliot Friedman said. Um, you know, some of the some of the players that they were putting out there, I didn't really understand. Um, like, you know, say for example, Brian Boyle. Sure, he has a long reach, and I personally don't think he's going to be on the team next year. Nice story. I know I, I I love the guy to death, but I don't think you can bring him back. You know, and maybe, maybe for a thirteenth forward, but I don't want really want him playing on an every night basis. Um, next year, like he was for a lot of this year, I just think, you know, that his legs were, you know, totally shot by the end of the year. But, you know, and you could definitely see that on the penalty kill. You know, he was not getting his stick into the shooting lanes. He wasn't doing as good of a job blocking shots. Brock McGinn was not really playing that well on the penalty kill either, um, especially when he came back from his injury down the stretch. I'm fine with Teddy Bluger on there because he's usually one of the best penalty killers. But in the playoffs, he's been really bad the last couple of years. Something has not been right with him. You know, I saw this flown around a little bit, I think, on social media during the series. Why didn't they play Kasperi Kapanen in a good bit on that PK? Um, you know, for starters, he did it a lot when he was in Toronto. And it makes sense. The guy is super fast. Um, he was good defensively this year. The metrics were really good for him in his own zone. I'm sure he has no, you know, no problem throwing his body around. And he's a threat shorthanded. You know, not only is he a fast skater, you know, he has one heck of a shot when he's using it right. I know he struggled a lot this year, obviously. But, you know, to get more confidence going, why didn't the Penguins do that? Just because, again, Kaplan did it a lot under both Mike Babcock and Sheldon Keith in Toronto. Um, you know, I, I just I felt like it was an opportunity wasted there. I also do want to see Sidney Crosby and maybe Jake Gensel on the PK a bit more. They've Mike Sullivan has used them at times on the PK, and, you know, it, it's worked. You know, they, they've actually scored a few shorthanded goals together and they've gotten chances. I know Sid, you know, he probably doesn't want to lay his body on the line too much, but he's still one of the best defensive centers in the league. I'm sure he would have no problem killing penalties. You know, this is always my biggest thing when it comes to, you know, the, the PK. 
anyone can do it. I don't think you necessarily need PK specialists in order to win. If you are good at 5v5, you can kill penalties. I, I really don't see, um, <clears throat> you know, why you can't. You know, I, I just, you know, I guess some people think you, you have to be like a Craig Adams type player uh, to kill penalties or something. And I'm not saying you can put Evgeny Malkin on the PK. I think that would not be a good idea. So not, I mean, you know, he he's obviously not as good defensively as some of the other players I'm throwing around. Um, he would maybe get some chances, but again, are you really expecting him to put his body on the line there? Probably not. But I still stand by the fact that, you know, basically anyone can kill a penalty if they're, if they're really up for it. Um, you know, I also want to see the PK play a lot more aggressive in that Ranger series, especially um, they were giving them all day long. I don't know if Volucci was coaching them to be passive, but it was not working. I mean, the Rangers power play in mass series going into game six or seven, I believe it was six, five for 15, 33.3%. That's, that's not good enough. And I believe it was over 25% when it was all said and done. You cannot win a series if your power, if your PK is giving up a goal 25% of the time. It's, it's, it's not good enough. Um, you know, they were not pressuring Adam Fox at the point nearly as much. They were giving up way too many easy zone entries. Um, they were having to rely on the goaltending too much. And, you know, it's one thing for Tristan Jari to bail you out. It's a completely other thing for Louis Domingue to bail you out because he was not doing that. And that's what I mean, you know, just we watched game seven with the power plays. The Rangers got so many failed, lazy clearing attempts. And Jari had to make glove save after pad save after all these other saves just to, you know, kill off the penalties. And he was probably their best penalty killer this year, <laughs> in my opinion. So um, that's that's definitely going to have to be something that changes going to next year. Again, I just want it to be more aggressive. I want to change up, you know, the, the usage for players, you know, maybe you don't use Brock McGinnis as much, you know, Brian Boyle coming off, I think is going to be decently, you know, what do you change up the defenseman you want to put down there? If Brian Dumoulin is still on the team, do you take him off? Maybe put someone like Mike Matheson on there, who was great at skating the puck out of his own end. Uh, I think I would love to see them do that. I don't think he really got a lot of PK time um, that much this year. Um, they, they mainly had, I think, John Marino on there. Brian Dumoulin, Chris Letang, and I'm fine with Letang um, having PK minutes. I mean, he's also great at moving the puck, um, <clears throat> excuse me, out of his own zone. But, you know, I still, you know, would love to see someone like Matheson on there um, a little bit too. So, again, would love to see some of the top, more top players kill penalties. Um, you know, it, it, for example, Brad Marchand in Boston, he's one of their best penalty killers. Patrice Bergeron, he also has killed penalties throughout his career. And Boston, you know, Jonathan Taves, I think he did it in Chicago for a lot of years before he started to get a little washed um, up in the Windy City. So, you know, um, I, I want to see more of that on that unit. I thought it was good during the regular season, but whatever they, whatever happened going into the playoffs just completely stopped. And, again, I think that's one of the main reasons why uh, this team is not playing in Raleigh um, going into game two uh, tomorrow. So still a little more to get to for this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. We're going to get into um, why it should be Ricard Raquel over Brian Rush, just, just by a look of the numbers at least for this season. But before I get to that, our partners at Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. This fly is just absolutely killing me. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. If you want to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes, follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So let's get to Ricard Raquel's overall sample size with the Penguins. Um, 19 games after coming over from Anaheim, 277 minutes at 5v5. He was on the ice for 54% of the shot attempts, 61% of the actual goals, 58% of the scoring chances, 60% of the high danger chances, 11 high danger goals for five high danger goals against um, his on ice shooting percentage was about 11%, which was up uh, two whole percent um, from when he was in Anaheim. This was his highest shooter percentage since 2016, uh, 17 when he was with Anaheim and, on ice save percentage for the Penguins goaltenders a 9.21. So you know he he definitely did he did have some uh, good goaltending to say the least. Um, you know he was absolutely electric this season for the Penguins. And again, if, if you're deciding between him and Ryan Rice, and this you know this comes you know a little courtesy off of um, DK's daily shot that I was listening to this morning. You know he definitely inspired me to spend just a couple minutes bringing this up. Um, you know for me, I'm going with Raquel. Um, Brian Rust, again, I think he has priced himself out of this. He's going to go make a lot of money, rightfully so. He deserves it. It's probably going to be a six times six deal. Obviously, replacing that production is not going to be easy. You know, a player that scores 20 plus goals for numerous seasons in a row, they don't grow on trees. But they do have a player in Raquel that I think can do that. And he was also electric playing with Jake Gensel. And Cindy Crosby, you know, their expected goals for well over 60%. Of course, he was well over 55%. High danger chances wise, you know, I believe well over 60% as well. Um, they were just, he was just such a seamless fit on that line. Uh, I wanted to see more of it in the playoffs, but you no, know, obviously Raquel got hurt off of that dirty hit in game one. Didn't he could not even return um, until game seven? It was, it was so unfortunate that. You know, the Penguins really couldn't see Raquel for a full playoff series just because of that gross set. Um, I really think he makes a, a bigger impact in that series if he doesn't get headshot there because I believe that was a concussion. Um, I, I know it, I, read, I read it was a head injury, and I assume it was. I mean, he was skating a little bit, but, you know, it looked like his symptoms weren't going away um, as fast as some other players have. But, you know, he it also took about um, – a week or two is it's not uncommon for a player to uh, come back from a concussion. Um, contract wise, again, if if you know he's definitely on my must resign list, I would go you know a three to four year term, you know three point five to four million per. Um, I think that's fine. You know, I don't think he's going to ask for five. You know, maybe a comparable is like the Brandon Saad. You, know, I think Saad is signed for four point five. If you can get him for a bit below that. Um, that would be big, um, in my opinion. He was just such a – he was a great fit on either the Sid or the Malkin line. Um, he was the winger that this team was desperately lacking heading into the playoffs. And, you know, <clears throat> I, I didn't – I liked the move at the time. I thought it was going to be good. I didn't think it was going to be that good. Where, again, you know, underlying numbers-wise, 61% of the actual goals, 60% of the high-danger chances, 54% of the shot attempts – you know, 58% of the scoring chances. I mean, compared to where he was in Anaheim, um, 50% of the scoring chances um, this year with them. This, I mean, this, this was the highest numbers. He's the highest underlying numbers for most for his career since basically 2014. Uh, that was the last time he had a scoring chance uh, for a rate um, higher than 58%. <laughs> That's the only time, actually. You know, I, I kind of think he 
um, rediscovered his mojo a little bit. I, I do remember um, <clears throat> listening to the Jeff Merrick show, Brian Burke came on and um, he talked about how I think Raquel had some sort of like, like condition that was like affecting his play. I, I want to say it was something to do with like his diet or something like that. I can, I'll go back and find the clip, but it was something that I don't think had ever been reported about him. And apparently, you know, Burke said they were, they, you know, they've been able to get it under control, I think, this season. And then when he came to Pittsburgh, you know, it, it just, he found a bunch of magic beans. And he was looking like the Ricard Raquel that, you know, um, at least Burke had been watching for several years because obviously he has a lot of ties to the Ducks. He watches a lot of their games. Um, but it was interesting that, you know, he was talking about doing their homework on that player that, you know, that, that was a story um, that had not gotten out about him. And you, know, you could definitely see the difference that, you know, that, you know, switching from Anaheim to Pittsburgh, make, you know, going from a system that I don't think provides a lot of offensive ability with Dallas Eakins to a Mike Sullivan system where, you know, it's, it's go, 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 go. Um, so um, I, I would love if he's able to come back. He's on my, again, after Latang and Malkin, he is my number three guy that they have to resign, at least in my opinion. And again, three to four year deal, if you can, 3.5 to 4 million would be really nice to lock him up for that. Um, I would absolutely love um, if they could bring him back. And yes, you know, right now, if, if you're comparing the two between him and Brian Russ, I'm taking Ricard Raquel just because, um, you know, he's, he's younger and I don't think he's going to get, you know, worse as that deal goes on. Unlike Brian Russ, who I, I do think some, I, don't, I shouldn't say some bad years could be coming for Russ, but I think some not as good years could be coming just because, you know, his, his age is obviously a big factor and just how hard he plays um, and all that. So, That'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Uh, I appreciate all of you for listening to this one. I'll be back with another episode on Friday. Monday, Danny Shirey of DK Pittsburgh Sports is going to join us. Can't wait to pick his brain on what to expect for the offseason. Talking about that series against the Rangers. So much other stuff that I have planned for that one. I haven't brought Danny on, um, I think, since the beginning of the season, uh, to be honest. So I'm really excited to have uh, Danny back on for that. So again, another episode coming Friday. Danny comes back to the show on Monday. Um, I hope you all have a great rest of your Thursday and I'll talk to you on Friday.